0: Please join me in prayer. Almighty Father, we're so grateful that we can come before you on your holy Sabbath day. The day you set aside at creation as a memorial to your creative work. And as we observe it each week, that we remember that you are in control of this universe. One day that you will establish your kingdom here on earth. We might be a part of it as we try in our own way to be obedient to you. We pray that you will be with us, guide us this day, strengthen our minds to understand your word. Be with those that have a special need, those that have asked for prayer, that you would answer that as well, and that we would all come to a fuller knowledge of you as we walk this narrow way in these days before the return of Yashua the Messiah. So we thank you and honor you, ask for your blessing on this message, that these words would be yours in Yashua's name. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I want to welcome everyone, the brethren and our guests and those online. Well now that we've had a chance to catch our breaths from all the work, building, preparations, and the taking uh, the feast forward here at Holt Summit. We're getting back full force now to getting Yahweh's work done as much as we can, getting his word out, our evangelism, our ministry, which is what we're here for primarily. You know, in that, we have plans to resume the Discover the Truth in some way in uh, local TV and the Internet outreach, and we still hear from people who Watching, we were on national TV. Uh, we were back east. Someone says, "Oh yeah, I watch your programs." Uh, the old Discover the Truths, and just this week, someone else said the same thing. So the outreach is still there. There's still a, uh, a semblance of it, you know, in some ways. But you know, it's all online too. So uh, I think our plan would be maybe to take snippets, do a full-fledged program, and then take snippets and put that on there too. And Try to whet everybody's appetite. You know how human beings are anymore. They, they don't have a real long attention span. They don't want to sit there through an hour of a program. Most people, others who are really you know on fire want to and really uh, can't get enough. But there are those who are just casually interested. And then if you can draw them in, that's good too. So we're trying different things. But one of those programs that we did years ago was uh, called The Amazing Sevens. And uh, do you realize that all told, the number seven is used the most in Scripture? More than 700 times you find the number seven. And if we add all the words related, like uh, sevenfold, 70, 700, It's well over 700 times. When Yahweh rested from creation on the Sabbath day, he didn't do it because he was tired. He rested from his labors as an example for us. And here we have people just blowing off the Sabbath day in favor of a day they have created. You know, when Yahweh does something, not only does he commend it, but he does it himself. How important is that? When Yahshua got baptized... Himself, he didn't need to, but he did it for us to fulfill all righteousness. Hey, you do the same. How important is that? And yet you have people saying, well, baptism, eh, I don't think it's that that big a deal. It's just an outward confession of a changed heart. No, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that. For one thing, it leads to the endowment of the Holy Spirit. You don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have salvation. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot more important than that. But... That's how uh, human beings like to reason if they don't want to do something. Science has discovered that resting every seven days is important for physical, emotional, and mental rejuvenation. Good health and productivity. Pervading the universe is a rhythm of sevens, a cycle of sevens throughout the universe from the heavenly bodies, to our own bodies. A rhythmic time clock is built in to living cells, believe it or not, knowledge of which has waited for the power of the modern computer to release and unlock. You know, a science known as chronobiology is discovering that living cells operate literally by clockwork. Biological rhythms and cyclical processes are found in cell life throughout creation, no matter what kind of cell it is. The regularity keeps the cell in synchronization with other cells, and just as it was designed by the creator Yahweh, to function in a healthy way. Scientists who study these things say seven is also a key rhythm in human activity, as well as plants, insects, and animals. They all have biological cycles based on a regular cycle of sevens. These inner clocks control biological activities like metabolism, maintenance, growth, and reproduction. If you really want to know the power of Yahweh, take a cell, just a cell, a human cell, any kind of cell, especially a human cell, because that's that's what uh, we're made of, and... Analyze how it works. It's a little factory. It's a whole little city in itself. It's amazing. Well, it operates on a clock. What is it? Every as they say every three months, your body replaces its cells, completely replaces. I don't know about the neurons, but uh, hey, not amazing. You start new every three months. I think it, I think it's three months if I remember right, but. Yahweh had it all planned and this is how he designed us and how we uh, can live so long. I was uh, also reading about the heartbeat. Did you know that in a lifetime your heart beats like two point something billion times? Imagine that. Your heart beats that many. It just keeps on going. Keeps on going. Yahweh put that in you too. Well, these sevens or septans lie deep in the in the neural, metabolic, and hormonal systems that make up our bodies. Yahweh says the average human life is three score and ten. That's 70 years. A seven-day cycle is also at work in our immune systems. Polio, smallpox, tetanus, each begin to show symptoms after seven days. Chickenpox symptoms usually appear 14 days after exposure to the virus. And the same with mumps. We hear from the news that Ebola has a three-week, 21-day incubation period when it finally explodes into a full-blown disease. It takes that long. But Yahweh has designed all of this. In fact, when you get a transplant, if you get a kidney transplant or something, it takes about seven days for the, uh, the body, the body's immune system, to accept or reject the, uh, the organ. It takes seven days for a newborn baby to fully get the clotting mechanism, the vitamin K activated in his life. And that's why Yahweh says you circumcise the baby on the eighth day because he's got all that now in place and he won't bleed to death When he gets circumcised, the sequence of seven is embedded in the very building blocks of life. Almighty, yeah, we wound up the clock at creation. And there it is right in front of us. And do we see it? Do we understand it? No, I don't think we We only understand a little bit. We see through a dark glass. He left his divine imprint on creation, including the Sabbath day, on living systems. It's undeniable proof of an intelligent omnipotent creator. The Apostle Paul's observation in Romans 1.20 of the miracle of creation is confirmed. For those who deny a creator, Paul says, for the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and majesty, so that they are without excuse. Like I said, look at the human cell, how complex it is. It's like a little machine does all sorts of things. It takes in energy. It it gives off uh, waste. Uh, It's carried away. It it functions. It reproduces. That that in itself is amazing to me, how Yahweh's gene implant, the chromosomes, can continue on giving an offspring the same characteristics as the parent and so forth, and all the different powers that go with the physical life. All in something you can barely can barely see a little egg. <clears throat> anyway, Paul says, look at the creation and then tell me that this happened by itself. King David wrote, only the fool has said in his heart, there is no Elohim in Psalm 14. The number seven is hands down the most significant number in the Bible. As I said, 735 times we find it. 54 times in the book of Revelation alone. The number seven is the foundational number of Yahweh's word. We find seven pairs of each clean animal going on the ark so that some of them could be used later on in animal sacrifices until they could reproduce, you know. And and, uh, so the clean ones had had to have more of them because they were used in sacrifices and so forth. Uh, Seven stems on the Tabernacles lampstand, Exodus 25. Seven qualities of the Messiah. In Isaiah seven signs in John's evangel, seven things Yahweh hates in Proverbs 6, seven parables in Matthew 13, seven woes in Matthew 23, and it goes on and on and on. Why seven? Seven letters to the assemblies in Asia, seven spirits before Yahweh's throne, Revelation seven golden lampstands. Seven stars in Yahshua's right hand. These are all revelations. Seven seven seals of Yahweh's judgment. Seven angels and seven trumpets. The seven seals on the scroll represent the fullness of, of Yahweh's punishment on a sinful world. Seven meaning complete. Complete. Seven completes the week on the Sabbath. Seven days is the grand finale of creation. Seven is at the center of weekly and annual observances required. And we all know about that one because we are faithful to Yahweh. Keep them. Special Sabbath and feasts for each year. These observances are going to be celebrated in the coming kingdom as well. How more important are they than that? But that isn't all. There are seven, there's sabbatical years, seven Every seventh year called sabbatical years in the scripture. And they're key to knowing when Yahshua himself will return. Our Savior Yahshua said in, Matthew, in, in sorry, Mark 2, 27, of the Sabbath was made for man. For, <coughs> excuse me, for man. It was given to us for our benefit. Does that mean we can ignore it? It gives physical life every time we rest on it it gives spiritual life the most important part if i have a gift and i really want to give it to you and i am so happy to give it to you and i uh, here look at look what i got for you i really worked at this i really thought about it and i want to give it to you and you turn around and you throw it in the trash what am i thinking of that the sabbath commandment is the only one of the 10 It says to remember. What does the world do? Trashes it. Does its worst work, hardest work, dirtiest work on the Sabbath day. Defiles it. It harkens back to creation and the special status Yahweh endowed the seventh day from the beginning of time. Beyond telling us that the Sabbath rest is required as a sign for his people, it's a sign, it shows that you are mine because you keep my day, the language indicates that it is also something placed within us. The Greek word for, in the giving of the Sabbath, for man, is dia, D-I-A, and includes the meaning of through, with, and within. When he gives us the Sabbath It is given within us, through us. This gives new meaning to Matthew 2.28, where we read, Therefore the Son of Man is master also of the Sabbath. John 1.3 tells us that all things were made by him. He was the active agent who created the universe. Well, consider this. Maybe he's just not created the Sabbath day by resting on it, which he did. Which he set it apart that way, but also, in the process of creation, he embodied, embedded <coughs> this weekly rhythmic cycle of rest in our DNA. How about that? As if oh, thank you. As if it, uh, as if it's our very biological makeup. Because it is. Think about it. And even in our behavior. It gives a whole new meaning to his being the master of the Sabbath. As he fashioned the Sabbath, they literally, for and in mankind, and Yahshua showed us how to keep it. And the Pharisees messed it all up. Thought, well, if you don't do it this way, you know, if you don't keep it rigidly and don't even get out of bed like some of the Orthodox will do, uh, you're not keeping the Sabbath. Well, Yahshua said, That's ridiculous. Isn't it better to save life than to lose it? Psychological studies show that human beings don't function well without a day of rest or one day each week. So we have the Sabbath. Without that needed rest, we don't reason well. We don't function well. As well, I should say. Uh, we're prone to make mistakes. Accidents happen. We suffer from stress and irritability more. Without enough sleep, we actually live shorter lives. We read in Genesis 2-3 of that first Sabbath, rest. And Elohim blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which Elohim created and made. So, (coughs) clearly the Sabbath is more... Significant than just a day to take off work, to stop working. It's a blessing from Yahweh. It's a true blessing from Yahweh. You want to be blessed by him? Keep his days. Honor him that way. Most are familiar with the term sabbatical, the time when professors take leave of their work for a year to study or travel or whatever they do. You know, kind of amazing, isn't it, these... uh, uh, a lot of them who have no no regard for religion or anything. they going on a sabbatical, which comes right out of the Bible. But here they go. And so they do their research and all of that, taking time off. You know, in our culture, we find seven very common. Common law marriage. How long is that? Seven years. People who live together. After seven years, they're considered marriage by law. Statutes of limitations, a lot of them are seven years, as are the cancellation of debts. After seven years, you can throw away your, your um, tax receipts and everything uh, after seven years. It's no longer going to apply. The, the time has passed. There we find Yahweh's command for a sabbatical year when planting and tilling the fields was to stop every seventh year, thereby giving the soil and those who farm it a time to rest, time to recoup. Exodus 23.10 says, And six years you shall sow your land and shall gather in the fruit thereof. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie still, that the poor of your people may eat. (coughs) And what they leave, the beasts of the field shall eat. In the same manner shall you deal with your vineyard and with your olive yard. So Yahweh has provisions for helping those who have need, his welfare system, so to speak. You know, if modern agriculture followed the sabbatical rest of the land... You wouldn't need as much fertilizer. The microbes in the soil can regroup and strengthen that soil, making it healthier and richer instead of just completely depleting it. You go up here in Missouri, up, up north, I, we took a trip years ago up there. I looked around and I said to a guy who lived up there, I said, Man, what's wrong with this land? It's just nothing. Looks like Arizona. He said, well, (laughs) because they depleted the soil. They just over and over and over and over used it until there's nothing left and didn't put anything back. That's what happens when you don't do it Yahweh's way. Sabbatical year is also a system of welfare. There is another important component of the sabbatical year. Times years financial relief. Every seventh year, debts were canceled. See, that's I think that's where we get this idea that after seven years, you know, your your financial records are no longer uh, needed or used. Important. The, the length of limitations is past. <coughs> so, loans were prorated to. In consideration of the sabbatical, Deuteronomy 15.1 says, At the end of every seven years, you shall make a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lends ought unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother because it is called Yahweh's release. He made a loan. Guy's still paying on it maybe every so much, every so often. After seven years... You're done. The loan is uh, considered paid off, even though you haven't paid it off. It's considered done. That has implications spiritually, by the way. Think about it. The debt that we have for Yahweh is released. Borrowers would not be burdened by financial pressures from a lifetime of debt. The borrower would be required to to live within his means. Look, I can only give you a loan for seven years because after that... (laughs) I lose money, so he makes his loan for seven years and, you know, gets with the program. Instead of going on and on and on forever, making like I did, big mistake, five-year car loan. Guess what? It took me forever, well, five years to pay that off. What was I thinking, you know? Well, it gets better. Every 50 years or after every seven sabbaticals, seven times seven forty-nine 150, is another great Sabbath. What's called a Jubilee? Look up the word Jubilee, and Webster will tell you it's a special anniversary of an event, especially one celebrating 25 or 50 years. They call it a, you know, their, uh, their wedding Jubilee, 50 years. All of these releases on the sabbatical and Jubilees have parallels to spiritual releases from the burdens of sin. See, Yahweh ties it all together. He he has a way of showing us physically the spiritual lessons. Deuteronomy 5, in the restatement of the fourth commandment, gives some additional insights into this larger concept of Sabbath. 7, and remember that you were a servant in the land of Egypt and that Yahweh your Elohim brought you out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, Yahweh your Elohim commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Isn't that interesting? He brought you out by his power. And because of that, he expects you to keep a Sabbath day. He does the same thing when he helps us overcome sin. You think the Sabbath will not be kept in the kingdom? Why does he bring in the issue of slavery in conjunction with the Sabbath? Because on a specific Sabbath, slaves were freed. That Sabbath is called the Jubilee. You have a slave that's been with you 50 years, and and everybody, unless you died young, everybody would have one Jubilee in his lifetime. Every 50th year. And on this 50th year Sabbath, slaves were given their freedom. Israel was taken into captivity for 70 years for not keeping the land Sabbath. 70 years. They hadn't done it. 70, uh, for 70 years of Sabbath, keeping the land Sabbath. So Yahweh says, okay, you're going into captivity for that length of time. I'll force that land to rest. If you're not going to do it, I'll make it happen. So you're out of here, off the land. We'll give it 70 years of rest. The lesson is that not keeping the Sabbath, either weekly or annually, leads to slavery in multiple ways. So we took them out, and uh, their enemies had them. Have you ever felt jubilant? Jubilant, just real, some good news hit you. Oh, man, do I feel good today. My grandson, he, uh, he got his first deer basically on his own this year. He's also getting a pickup truck. And I heard that he said, this is the best day of my life. He was jubilant. You ever seen a crowd filled with jubilation? You know, they're celebrating on TV like they do New Year's or whatever. Maybe you attended a diamond jubilee celebration. There's even an apocryphal book of jubilees. You may find many kinds of jubilees observed around the world or at any given moment. The word and the idea come right out of the scriptures. The word Jubilee is derived from the Hebrew teruah, which means a sound of joy or an alarm. Teruah, trumpets. Toot, toot, toot. It was the ram's horn or shofar trumpet that announced the beginning of the Jubilee year. Leviticus 25 9. Then shall you cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the Day of Atonement. Shall you make the trumpet sound throughout all your year, all your land. So the biblical Jubilee comes after seven cycles of seven years and was a time when the land was to revert to the original owner. And that way it kept the land within the family where Judah had its portion, Simeon had his, Reuben had his. It all went back to the original family. Didn't get all divided up. Didn't have China come in and buy in half the country. Couldn't do it because it would all go back after the Jubilee to the original family that owned it. This ensured that the tribes of Israel of old did not lose their promised inheritance. The law of the sabbatical in Jubilee years is one of the more intriguing, I think, in the scriptures. Very intriguing. Innocent. Well, the important events of history and prophecy are tied up in these set apart, sanctified times. These mile markers and their significance were universally overlooked. In the same way, the first day of the biblical month is ignored today. By the way, tonight's the new moon. <coughs> Someone just pointed that out. I, I don't know I, I completely missed it. Going to be a high one. It's going to be like 12-something degrees up. It's going to be way up there. We might even be able to see it right here, right above the trees. And it's going to be out for almost an hour and a half, which is one of the biggest ones of the year. So we shouldn't have any problem unless it's cloudy. And it's supposed to be partly cloudy, so maybe we'll get to see it again. But uh, anyway, there people go along. They, you know, we're all looking for the new moon. And people drive by, and they're all craning their neck. What are they looking at? And uh, you stop and ask, what are you looking at? looking for the new moon, like we did one time, and a bunch of kids asked them. They stood there, and they were looking for it too. They were trying to find out what, what it really is. Well, it's that little crescent, the one you can see, not the one you can't see. So it literally goes right over their heads, just like the sabbaticals and jubilees, because it's been ignored for how many thousands of years, and even Israel didn't keep it that we know of, had record of, keeping these days, these sabbaticals and jubilees. So, uh, you know, uh, Gregorian calendar isn't going to point it out because it's solar, not lunar. And uh, based on that, the moon has been factored out of it. So they don't observe the new moon, and these other days they've completely lost. Much more significance remains with the number seven. Throughout the year, we find seven special holidays that Yahweh commanded us to keep. Seven holidays, holy days, where the word comes from. They call it Xmas holiday. Not holy. Nothing holy about it. Everything about it is man-made. Everything. I mean, the basic fact that Yahshua was born is not man-made, but he wasn't born that day, he wasn't born that time, or anywhere near it. Uh, all the the trappings that go with it didn't happen at it, his it manger. By the way, they always show a manger, you know, a little cute little wooden box, you know, with some straw coming out of it, and she's laying laying him in the manger. We went to Israel, found out a manger is a stone box, thick, that they would put water or feed for cattle. That was a manger. Now, they may have had, you know, wooden things that maybe they made later, but that's another myth, I guess, that it's not a real manger as they used in Israel. But anyway, it, uh, Yahweh's feast days are key, and, and they're built on seven as well, seven feast days. Two of them are seven days long, unleavened bread and tabernacles with its eighth day following. Each is tied firmly to the number seven when they occur in the seventh month and in their observance. So that tells us something, again, important about Yahweh's days and seven. Four of them are in the seventh month. Of course, we know that as trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, and last great day. Each reveals in some way the coming of the Messiah, the setting up of his kingdom. Tell me how Xmas can do that. Tell us keys to Yahshua's second coming. They can't even get the first coming right because that wasn't the time he came. So if you want to understand the prophetic plan of the earth, take a look at the feast days. Not only that, observe them and they'll really be embedded in your mind. Observe them. Each give insight into what's ahead for this world. They're the only holidays sanctioned in the Bible. They were all observed by Israel in the Old Testament, kept by the Savior and his apostles in the New Testament, being taught by the apostles and will be again in the coming kingdom. I don't know how much more weight you can put on them. If Yahshua kept them, apostles kept them, going to be kept in the kingdom, what more do you need? Oh, let's go out and observe Xmas, something Roman church made up. Yeah, let's do that. Well, these are all observed by Israel as Yahweh commanded and in the New Testament and taught. Along with the seventh day of the week, these seven annual observances have been neglected or ignored through the centuries by the majority of the people. Of Bible believers and those claiming to follow Scripture. From creation to a command to pause and worship to salvation to the plan of Yahweh to the prophetic timetable, we find a rhythm, a regular rhythmic beat of sevens, sevens everywhere. Unlike our months and years, our seventh day week has no astronomical basis. We can't go out tonight and look up in the sky and say, oh, there's Tuesday. Uh, Over here, oh, there's the Sabbath, I see it. Of course not. It was established by Yahweh himself. You can't look up into the sky and find days of the week. But you can find when the days begin and end. And so, unlike our months and years, it's uh, something Yahweh established and there's no planet or star you can point to that sets the weekly Sabbath. It's based on and put into effect entirely on what Yahweh established all the way back at creation and has been kept as a rhythmic cycle ever since. Ever since. He's the master of the Sabbath. He established it for us. Even in the calendar you have on your wall continues the biblical institution as the seventh day is the Sabbath, tell your friends, I keep Sunday, the first day of the week. Why don't you keep the Sabbath, the one that Yahweh commanded, the seventh day of the week? Well, well, I don't know. Look at your calendar on the wall. What is the seventh day? Pretty, Pretty right out there. Today's week that begins on Sunday and ends on Saturday is the same rotation of days in effect for thousands of years. And you only have to go back. You know, people say, well, I got confused over time. All you have to do is go back to Yahshua. What day did he keep? And then go on from there. We have historical records for that. It's not hard. He kept the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath. Nothing was messed up. The cycle has continued. The Sabbath that Abraham, Moses, and King David observed is the exact same Sabbath sequence still operating today. Yahweh would never say these are my people, and identify them by the Sabbath and then have them totally confused on when the Sabbath is. Make any sense to you? Of course not. None of the days of the week have fallen out of their seventh-day divine order. Even when the calendar was changed from the Julian to the Gregorian, because it was out of sync sync with the the season, the times, in 1582, ten days were removed, but this weekly Sabbath continued on, as it always has. Just the numbers changed, the numbers of the calendar. But the days, the weekly cycle, the rhythm of this weekly cycle was uninterrupted. So when October 4th was followed by October 15th, the Sabbath was still buzzing right along. It wasn't changed. wasn't butted out of the way or anything. Sequence remained unchanged. The seven-day week has been in force worldwide from the dawn of history, although some cultures have tried to tweak it, fool with it. Russia tried to. France tried to. change the calendar. Didn't work. It didn't work because it wasn't built into creation in the cycle that we have. Where they tried to make Sunday be the seventh day. That didn't work. You can find old calendars like that where they... Tried to do that, but it didn't work. It failed. The trumpet call of the Jubilee directly parallels the trumpet that will be announced when Yahshua returns to this earth. He's going to come at the last trump, the last trumpet we know, we read. Then the Messiah will return, which prophecy and Yahshua himself indicated will occur on a sabbatical or Jubilee. Maybe that's why Yahweh allowed it to become kind of lost in history because he didn't want us to know exactly when Yahshua was going to return. He said, Only he knows. Yahshua didn't even know. But Yahweh, he said, Yahweh's the one who knows. I don't know. There's a reason, but uh, we do the best we can. We try to keep the sabbatical by our own uh, way, going back into history and so forth, doing it. Whether we got 100% right, I don't know, but we try. Doing the best we can. Let's see what more we can learn about the time of Yahshua's return. In Luke 4.18, we read that on the weekly Sabbath in Nazareth, Yahshua went into the synagogue and read from Isaiah 61. He read verses 1 and 2. The spirit of my sovereign Yahweh is upon me because Yahweh has anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh. There's a clue. Acceptable year. What is that? And the day of vengeance of our Elohim. So he's tying the two together. When Yasha comes back, he's not going to do it patting people on the head and smiling. He's going to come back with a sword. He's going to wrest control of this wicked world And take over and set up his kingdom on this earth. And so it's the acceptable year and it's the day of vengeance, both of them at the same time. Preach here means to proclaim after the manner of a herald, always with the suggestion of formality, gravity, and authority. The terminology fits perfectly the significance of the trumpet sound proclaiming the Jubilee, the Jubilee trumpet. And in quoting Isaiah 61, Yahshua stopped in the middle of verse two, which demonstrates that, as the fulfillment of this prophecy, that he was now calling people out of the world to become his followers. The end of the verse refers to the day of judgment, which at that time obviously was far into the future. The disciples kept saying, when are you going to set up your kingdom? We're so tired of these Romans. We're so tired of this system. We're so tired of all this paganism. When are you going to set up your kingdom? They thought he was going to do it now. They didn't get it. If you're the king, then where's the kingdom? He rightly divided the world. word. He says he, the acceptable year refers to the beginning of the jubilee year in the welcome year. Another translation calls it Yahweh's amnesty year. And we just talked about how the slaves were freed Debts were forgiven. It's an amnesty year. Jameson Fawcett Brown Commentary says the term acceptable year is an allusion to the Jubilee year. Leviticus 25.10, a year of universal release for person and property. So it has dual meanings. Wesley's note says the acceptable year, plainly alluding to the year of Jubilee, when all, both debtors and servants, were set free. So here we have spiritual significance, too, of this day. He came to preach the good news to the meek and humble, those whose hearts were open and teachable. And that's a key to understanding truth. You have to be open and you have to be teachable. I get a kick out of people call in. <clears throat> they, they come in with a, uh, with a uh, what would you call it? a Not the reason they're, they're really calling. A, a, a ghost reason or, or something like that uh, they, they bring up something just to get an in and then they really hit you with what they want to argue about so uh, that, that's how kind of people are but he said he came to preach the good news to the meek and humble and those who have an open heart People, that, and there are more people I'm glad of that who call and say tell me about this I haven't heard this before this is interesting this is fascinating I didn't, where did you learn this? Well, the Bible. Just have an open and and soft heart and read the Bible and let let Yahweh work with you. The Jubilee is couched in the middle of a directive in Leviticus twenty-five to keep the sabbatical year. Let the land rest. The land goes back to its original owner, and Israel's slaves were free. You know, people make that argument. Oh, you know, slavery. That's that's even in the Bible. How could that be in the Bible? Slaves back then were not not treated with whips and chains. They were like employees. They they got the benefits of their work with the the landowner. It was equitable, and Yahweh made sure it was. He said, you don't treat slaves like some people think they do. In quoting Isaiah 61, Yahshua said, this day is a scripture fulfilled in your ears, and he meant that He himself would fulfill this prophecy in a jubilee year, clearly at the time he said this. The jubilee is all about freedom. The land will become under Yahweh's control, Yahweh's command under Yahshua, and be given rest from the evils of man. He frees us by releasing us from the death penalty if we repent and follow him. The meaning of the jubilee year of release was prophetically spoken as a redemption. Yahshua's redemption, which will take place at his return, perhaps at the Jubilee. I think more evidence shows yes than no there, because it all fits then. See, everything fits together. Just as he was cut off, meaning died in the middle of the week, as he foretold, so Yahshua left unsaid the rest of 61 of Isaiah, which tells of the vengeance that would follow his return. Note the latter part of this verse, 61-2, and the day of vengeance of our Elohim to comfort all that mourn. There's no record that Israel or Judah faithfully kept the sabbaticals, especially not the record of the sabbaticals and jubilees, but these special years will be enforced. In the coming kingdom, you can bet your bottom dollar on that. Daniel 9 begins with a reference to the 70 years of Judah's Babylonian captivity. And the reason, of course, is that they were given a captivity of seven years because they hadn't kept the 70 sabbatical years and had to make up for lost time, as we mentioned. So Daniel 9 begins with a reference to the missed sabbatical years and ends with a discussion of another 70 sabbatical cycles. So you got the weekly Sabbath every seven days. You've got the sabbatical year every seven years. The jubilees coming after every 49 or seven sevens years, as well as the thousand-year reign following 6,000 years of man. <clears throat> and we are each part of uh, Yahweh's kingdom then, if we're faithful. Yahweh marks... Weeks, holy days, years, and millennia in periods of seven. Very important, sevens. The word week in Hebrew is the same as the number seven, Shabuah. And it literally means what? Literally means sevened, sevened. Shabuah, in fact, is a dual meaning and also means oaths. Oaths, if you take an oath, it's a promise, a promissory. Very, very important. Yahweh is telling us by his word with two meanings of a powerful relationship between him and man. Sabbath and oath. Sabbath and oath. When we baptize people, we tell them, okay, from now on, you've got to keep the Sabbath and the feast days and everything Yahweh commands. It's an oath that you're taking, basically, to be Faithful. Is any wonder that the Sabbath is a sign between Yahweh and his people, the sign of the oath or covenant? We can go even further. You could say that the Feast of Weeks or Shabuah is a feast of oaths. His law, by most accounts, was given at that time. About the time they would have come around the bend and been at Sinai in Arabia, about that time. Seven weeks. Took an oath to keep his laws. Enables us to be obedient when he gives his uh, Holy Spirit to us on that Acts 2 Pentecost. And you become eligible for the gift of his spirit when you obey him in Acts 5.32. <clears throat> With both his, his spirit and his laws... Working in you, you become part of a sacred covenant. Covenant that Yahweh asks us to, to, uh, to uh, join. The feasts of the biblical calendar are also marked by seven days, which uh, is the duration of uh, two of those feasts. You know, with so many important meanings and lessons, the Sabbaths are, are really great equalizers. On the seventh day, for example, both the powerful and the weak. The rich and the poor come together to honor Yahweh. They become, their their worldly lives become irrelevant. They become equals as people, equals as his brethren, even as the ox is liberated and given the same day of rest. To continue our greed in the seventh year would be wrong. So he counters that. He says, give it up. And to counter over farming, the land rests the seventh year. After seven times seven years, all debts are forgiven and lands are then returned to the original owners. And that ensures that the property rights remain with the original family who was given that. And the land, especially given by Yahweh to the various tribes, remained with them. When he commands that the land be allowed to rest and renourish, to rebuild the soil naturally, he's given us a way to enrich the earth and to live healthy bodies, healthy minds. So Yahweh's chronology, by keeping the Sabbaths, by keeping the feast days that go along with that, we get in tune spiritually with him. It all rests on the seven, the amazing seven. So I pray this has helped. Pray that... uh, You would also understand that Yahweh has a plan, and in that plan, even numbers make a difference, especially when it comes to his holy days, which are based, predicated on a holy number of seven. May Yahweh bless you.